Hello again and welcome to another episode of College Football Down Under. My name is Aaron Kemp and as always I am joined by Will Murden. How's it going today Will on this very kind of special I suppose early episode we're recording this on Sunday night games have concluded only about three or four hours ago so we get to do the update ahead of everyone including the Americans yeah we're straight into it we're cornering the market this week so this is a game a game changer for us I don't know whether we'll be able to continue to keep this up but We've, we've both got busy lifestyles and we've got to try and fit it in when we can. So it's good. We've both had a, a pretty full-on day watching a lot of college ball and there's a lot to digest, but we can get straight into it. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is our angle here. I mean, we haven't made the most of this, obviously, but there's a real possibility here in Australia for us to really corner this market and get in early because, I mean, I've been up since 2 a.m. this morning, but, you know, we we could just get into this now. Anyway, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. We, we could also listen back to these episodes and realize that we're somewhat sleep deprived. We haven't been able to digest any of the information or prepare anything. And uh, it's just a fucking train wreck. So we've got to be a little bit cautious and, and see how, how we go. We're, we're certainly not committing, but we are up and down in terms of our releasing of episodes. That is for sure. Anyway, this is our week nine recap episode. Uh, We will get to most of the usual stuff. We've got the juice in this introduction section. Uh, We'll talk about the teams are a little bit disappointing and Will loves talking about the biggest overreactions from a media perspective. We've got the game recaps. We won't be able to get to our uh, Aussies in action as we just don't quite have the time to update that, but we'll, we'll get to that on Wednesday. So that is something that we will push back. But we've certainly got some hilarious punting stories from today's action. We've got helmet stickers. We've got bold predictions. And we've got on the punt, which continues to go in the toilet on a week-to-week basis. So let's just jump right in. Any initial takeaways from this weekend's football before we get into our other bits and pieces, Will? It's a great season and it, it keeps on oh. keeping on, doesn't it? Oh, f-, f me, it has been good. I thought like when, you know, the NFL season doesn't happen like this. Like there's big games, yes, but there's probably one a week and even then they just don't seem to hold the significance. I don't think it's, you know, whereas – and they don't get the big upsets. Like Miami's not beating anyone this year. And by anyone, I mean anyone ever. And, you know, in this college season, we've had in back-to-back weeks, we've had teams in the top five go down in historic upsets. And that continues to be the case. And and last season, we probably didn't get it as much as we would have liked or as much as I would have liked. And this year it is happening. And I am... We're, we're blessed a little bit this year, I think. Yeah, I mean, certainly if you look at we had South Carolina knocking over Georgia, which no one would have predicted. And then Illinois going in and, and beating Wisconsin, which was insane. And then this week we had Oklahoma going down to Kansas State. The, the, those three matchups, that we're all talking 20-plus favorite underdogs getting up and winning those, which is, is just remarkable. Yeah, and I think the only comparison we've got from last year is Purdue-Ohio State, which was a fantastic one. Um, but you just get the impression that each and every week someone here in this in this matchup is going to go down. And not only that, but when we come to the college football semifinals, that we might be looking at our first two-loss team because yeah. I just 
don't know if teams are going to make it through unscathed this year. I really like this though. This is setting me up into my my juice segment here. So let's keep it flowing. Set me up. Yeah, well, you, yeah. Way you go then, mate. Take us straight into it. Okay. So for mine, we have had these upsets, but what I'm really excited about is that this week it was Oklahoma going down and not LSU or Alabama. Both of those teams right. got through unscathed, and as a result. They both have a bye week, and the week after that, we now have the matchup that we all want to see. We've got the two undefeated sides, two top three teams in the in the country at the well, moment. They're going to be one and two. They're going in to be the one AP. and two yep. in the nation. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and it's rare. This you don't get this in season all that often. So no. an opportunity for us to see this is really exciting for me. I know it is a couple of weeks away, and I should probably be more excited about what it is. But you're always looking forward, and for mine the. With the unpredictability that we've seen, I was a little bit worried that Auburn could have got it done this week. I didn't think Arkansas would, but (laughs) you know, crazier things have happened, and it it hasn't been the case. Both teams look set to go. It looks like Tua is going to be back training this week, so they'll have no excuses. He'll be good to go, and we're going to get a little preview potentially of some playoff football in season. Oh, and uh, we won't dive into it now, but you, you say playoff football, but this could actually spell the end for one of them as well. We just we just don't know what's going to play out over the course of the rest of the season. But I am with you. I This was probably the biggest disappointment for me from the Wisconsin loss the week before in terms of the Ohio State-Wisconsin matchup this weekend. Yep. But we haven't missed it this time. And this is going to be one versus two. There's no reason that these two teams should be jumped, especially with the poor slate. I say poor slate, but we never know what can happen. Next week it's it's a little bit of a down week um, and then week 11 is suiting up to be potentially the best yet this year um, so I am starting to really get excited about what's coming in the next fortnight awesome awesome all right for me I've got a really random one and I have got the thing that got me excited was people giving stiff arms <laughs> And there was two notable ones this week. The one that I saw that really made me giggle, and as soon as I giggled at it, I was like, well, I've got to put this in here. And that was Tyler Wallace's touchdown where he just absolutely murked that dude running down the sideline. That was and- filthy, wasn't it? <laughs> and and it was because it was the whole combo too. So like that alone was badass where you just yeah. – <laughs> someone's coming at you at speed and you just completely own them clean in the like face mask area <laughs> without grabbing it, like yeah. completely legal. No, no, yeah, yeah. Just rejecting him. But before that, he'd kind of run into two dudes coming up to tackle him and just kind of bounced off of him, like pretty poor tackling on – on their part but bounced off of them rolled out of that and then hit top speed and then someone came across on the right angle and you're like yeah he'll take him out of bounds fuck off no just own him yeah oh absolutely and to to land a stiff arm like the the mechanics the physics the biomechanics of that actually executing is pretty small. It's like when people lay big hits, like the chance of actually really laying someone out is actually quite small. The chance of that ball arriving at the right time, you arriving at the right time at full speed, their body being in a certain position, et cetera, et cetera. It's actually not an easy thing to execute. And when it happened, I was just like, that is fucking massive. There, and there Jake, is an art to it though. There's certainly oh, a, an art absolutely. to it. Like, you see Dustin Martin, he owns it, right? Like you can't right. tell me that he, he doesn't do it on the reg because he does. 
Right, but he doesn't do it where he just – I mean, he'll push off of people and he has to put people on the ground. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, but he just – yeah, he buys time with it because he's strong and compact and explosive in small spaces. Um, but, I mean, I've tried it once and I think I just got absolutely bitched. And yeah, okay. See, I just, I'm put, reg- I just put that in the locker. It's a regular go-to for me on the field just to buy <laughs> like a step. Like I, like I get a lot yeah, of yeah. shit. Yeah, but you didn't do what Tylen Wallace did. No, to absolutely not. I've ne- I don't think I've ever done that. No. But I am often doling it out. Like I have a constant. You need to first give and stop trying to go after people to stiff arm, <laughs> so that you can then give it off. But I, I fucking love it. I'm all about you it. You got you got those long spider arms. The and the other thing I'll say from that is that often we see in college football, it's like a bit like in like soccer where someone can put a really good move on someone and beat their defender but it doesn't necessarily mean that much in in football it might mean three yards or four yards it might not be that big a deal it could mean more but often it doesn't in soccer it means oh you you know you like nutmeg that guy and in the end it goes out of bounds anyway and the goalkeeper gets a kick and it's irrelevant but on the tylen wallace one it was the difference between a touchdown or not and that is why i liked it so so much so, yeah, I enjoyed the shit out of those two stiff arms from those two boys. Yeah. So, who was the other one? Sorry, that was Tyler. Oh, J.K. Dobbins at oh, the yeah. line of yeah. scrimmage just murdered that dude. And he is really taking off as a qual. I mean, he's a junior this year, and all the stats came out like he's rushed for a thousand yards in three consecutive seasons, which uh, either hasn't happened before or hasn't happened before for a long time for an Ohio State running back. Uh, and he's setting himself up as a real likely NFL type because he's he was catching it out of the backfield. He can clearly run. He's explosive in space. He can more or less um, pick up blitzes and block, which is such a massive part of the of the professional game. So he's shaping up as someone who could be easing into that kind of top four, five, six running back. Uh, kind of options in the draft next year. Yeah, most certainly. He was uh, the most impressive of that game and we'll touch on it a bit later, but Ohio State, Wisconsin, him and the O-line, I think it was a combination of the two because he did have some big holes that he was putting through. But then when it was, <laughs> when when push came to shove, he was doling out some pretty big hits himself and, and getting those yards that they needed to do. So he's looking on good. Out. Yeah, for sure. And I'll just give a quick two-second mention. The other thing that probably could get in the juice is I have been quite uh, negative, I suppose, or you know, critical of offensive line play in college football and the NFL in recent years. But there were three that stood out, Ohio State, Michigan, and Oregon's offensive lines were absolutely amazing today, and they probably need some recognition as well. There you go. All right, let's move on to some lay down Sally action. So in recognition of Sally Robbins and her shit effort in the Olympic Games. We probably need to dis- can that at some point. Like we just need to call it lay down Sally because I'm worried that she might be a listener of the show. And she's not listening. She's, she's not had listening. to live she's, with she's this quit. for so long. She's quit on life, dude. She's quit. <laughs> she just laid down. Uh, who have you got? What, what disappointed you this weekend? Okay, so for me this week, it was the Big 12 as a conference. Uh, they went out and gave their best Pac-12 slash ACC <laughs> impersonation and good. thought, fuck it, we can't have you know a, a good tier and a middle tier and a bottom tier. Like We're not having that. We're going to have an upset in every game that's played. So all underdogs won today in the Big 12. Oh. Oklahoma were pretty heavy favorites over Kansas State. 
yes, it was mm-hmm. in Manhattan, but they've been traveling really well. And they gave up a 40-6 to six run at some point across that game and were almost able to claw it back, which shows how much more talented they are, but couldn't get it done, lost. Uh, Texas lost to TCU, so I'm really glad that wasn't Ooh. the last one on the punt for me. But uh, obviously the, the punters saw something that we didn't know or, or the, the bookmakers out in the desert because they, they were very much leaning towards TCU. Uh, my boys, Oklahoma State, got up over Iowa State. They were 11-point underdogs in that one and then won by a score in the end, so got yeah. it done. And then the craziest finish of all of them, Kansas, who would have only been slight underdogs, but still underdogs, won in, in an insane fashion that I'm sure we'll touch yeah. on later. Yeah. I mean, you were very critical of Kansas being an option in this game, but... I sort of thought they might give it a nudge and they no, have. No, I, I said it was going to be tight. I just said I thought Texas Tech would win. I mean, they probably should have got it to overtime at least, but <laughs> we'll talk about that. For me, uh, I'm going to stay with the Big 12 and I'm going to say Oklahoma's defense. That was the biggest disappointment for me. Uh, Alex Grinch has been you know, brought in and we talked about how Oklahoma's defense has turned the corner and they're not what they were last year, but they had just the one sack, just the three quarterback hurries this week. And yes, whilst K-State didn't drop back and pass a whole heap, they just didn't get enough pressure when they did have those opportunities. 426 yards to a team that averages 331 yards per game um, is not a good result. And the 331 yards per game is good for 107th in the country. K-State, a 73rd in scoring as well. So not a good uh I guess, day for the Oklahoma defense. And that's not normally something where you, that you see. You see when teams go off, it's normally the offense. And the offense didn't go off for, for Oklahoma. When you get those upsets, you get those big, you know, with Georgia, it was Georgia's offense just couldn't quite yeah, put it yeah. together. Or you have a couple of weird turnovers. Yeah, or like, something or strange unfortunate happens. turnovers or, right, you know, right. they, they start to compound a few little issues that kind of get blown out to big things. You, you certainly see that. Yeah, and that sort of just wasn't the case. Like K-State just kind of started manhandling them in the third quarter especially and it was just a weird outing for the Oklahoma defense and it just shows potentially how vulnerable they are continually on a big on a big stage against a quality offense and and well not a quality offense, it's just the fact that the defense is not consistent and is that going to hold up over the semifinals because it has proven that that's not the case in the past. Those teams that are high scoring, but with poor defenses. And yes, we're looking at you, Oklahoma in the past. Yes. We're looking at you, Oregon in the past. They haven't held up and that appears to be the case again. So a bit of a disappointing outcome for Oklahoma yeah. and, it, and it the could have, defense. And it could have huge implications on them moving oh. forward that they now need help to be able to spring back into top four contention. So it is a bit crazy that it's taken this long, but quite clearly the source of all of OU football's power is held in that fucking wagon. The soonest go. <laughs> I was thinking that, yeah. They don't have it and they return to mere mortals. So if only we would have known that a little bit earlier. When I was at Oklahoma State, I'm sure we could have jacked that thing up and <laughs> set it on fire or something. So good, good. I like it. Um, yeah, I'll, you know, next episode, no doubt we will dive into the implications and all the ramifications of the outcomes of this weekend because things are getting a little bit crazy for that kind of third and fourth spot. 
depending on the outcomes with a lot of games to play. But there's a lot of th- – like, I mean, obviously with the Alabama LSU, one of those teams is losing in a fortnight's time. So one of Might those teams – yeah, well, that's not happening. Um, but, but you know, one of those teams is losing. So what does that mean for all these quality one-loss teams? Anyway, let's push on. Overreaction time. I know you love talking about the media and the biggest overreaction, but we heard nonstop at the back end of Ohio State's win over Wisconsin that they are now the number one team in college football. And furthermore, that Chase Young is the best player in college football. That is, he will win the Heisman. Is this an overreaction? Is it not? Okay, so this is, you're right, this is all that we heard, you know, the back half of that game once they'd taken control. And then through all the other games across the slate, this was kind of the, the common theme that was coming out. And to that, I say, finally, everyone has latched on to what I've been saying for a number of weeks now. The, the rest of the media world is caught up to where I'm at. They are the best team right now. And when we oh, were watching this... Fucking humble brag, but yeah. When we were watching this today, I, I messaged through to you just saying, it's more like watching a pro team than a college team play with how they're built, how athletic they are, how disciplined they are, and then how well they tackle. Fuck, it is difficult to watch Ohio State play and how disciplined and well-executed their defense is and then go and watch Oklahoma State try and make tackles in the open field. Far <laughs> out. They, they are legitimate. And yes, there, there are some very good teams out there, but I know one of the things going into this week, we were talking about their schedule and, and how they've, they haven't played all that much. I did a little bit of research on this, and if you look at the, the top four teams around the market at the moment, so Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and Bama, Ohio yeah. State's uh, combined records of the teams that they've played are 36 and 26. LSU's 31 and 21 plus uh, an FCS team in there, so almost yeah. comparable, uh, pro- a little bit worse. Clemson's 30 and 32, and Alabama's 24 and 39. So on the whole, wow. on the whole, they have had the harder matchup, and now what they were missing was against an elite team or a, a top ten team, which we saw Wisconsin was coming into this game, and they certainly don't look like it coming out of this game. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm always skeptical to say that the that teams look like a pro team because we heard that about Alabama back in the day, and the consensus was that those teams would just get manhandled up front and they would. I don't know, man. I, I would take those old Bama teams over Miami at the moment. Hey, let, hey let's not bring that fucking shit into it, all right? Or, I'm talking uh, the Dolphins. Oh, right. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, but I still think, though, that an NFL offensive line with hardened, mature bodies, even if they are 26, 27, 28, 29, they're going to be better – yeah, then- yeah, yeah, and I, I guess that's not what I'm saying. It's more around the fact that there is a clear distinction between college football and the professional game with how the players look in terms of body size, speed of game, and how disciplined everyone is. Yes. Like you, you just don't have people missing assignments nearly as frequently no. in the pros and they are sure tacklers and it is a hell of a lot quicker. And like that aspect of all of it is what I see in a higher state that – other power five programs you won't see as much from, let alone the group of five. No, 
but they're one questionable, they're one down week away from us asking questions. And that is what I would say to that is we, you know, we think the same about lots of other teams. We thought the same about Clemson. We think the same about Alabama. But if they go out and lay an egg against LSU in in a fortnight's time, then we'll be saying, oh, well, Alabama's not all that. So I'm a little, I'm cautious just yet. Don't get me wrong. I think they are fantastic. I think they're really, really good. Um, Justin Fields has been more than impressive. Again, so have you moved? You've moved them into your number one. Uh, I think they're in, they're a tie with Alabama at the moment for me. Or oh, sitting on uh, the massively, fence. massively yeah. sitting on the fence. I think Ohio State, LSU, and Alabama. I mean, we we consistently see Ohio State receivers just running free. And that's not something you're getting against LSU. And this is always the challenge. And this is always the big step up for NFL quarterbacks. We saw Dwayne Haskins go and dominate for Ohio State last year. At the Redskins, he can't even start because he's not ready. And then when they throw him in, he throws picks because the windows get smaller. And that's what's going to happen when Ohio State face off against LSU, when they face off against Alabama, is all of a sudden, you're going to have to put this ball in a smaller window where, you you know... um, Oliver or whatever his name is isn't going to be running five meters on his own. Like yeah, KJ Hill isn't going to be running like, five meters. That's not happening. So we thought that that would be the case coming up against Wisconsin, and it wasn't. So, yeah, but yeah. well, I mean, yeah, yes and no, and we'll get to that in a second. I don't want to burn too much clock here. So how about we save that for the uh, the recap between Ohio State and Wisconsin, and we'll talk about perhaps how unathletic Wisconsin's defense really is. Uh, okay, the the second point of your thing there, Chase Young. Yeah, go for it. So for mine, he, he is a special talent. And all the reviews that I'm having, that I'm hearing out of uh, Columbus, are that he is more athletic than Nick Bosa, yep. who's come out and is probably going to win the Defensive Rookie of the Year this yep. year. Uh, so the fact that he has that rap on him and comes in and shows out already has something like 13 and a half sacks on the back of an insane effort really shows to me that that's probably warranted. Yeah. He, he's certainly, he's certainly right up there in that conversation. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yes and no. I agree with the fact that he, he may be the best defensive player to come out since Jadavian Clowney. Now, whilst Clowney hasn't probably taken off he hasn't revolutionized the NFL game like a lot of people thought he would. And I don't know that Chase Young will either, but I think that he is the combination of athleticism, um, quickness, speed, strength, intelligence, and then playmaking ability to make the comparison between those two. I don't think the Boses or who are the other pass rushers that have come out, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Yeah, yeah. They're just built fractionally differently. He's just much more of a weapon than what those guys have ever looked like. And I just I don't know how he fits in the Heisman race. That's my only question. And that and this is this has been the lingering debate and question and issue with the Heisman is that it is effectively a quarterback race. Because Joe yeah, I guess, Joe yeah. Burrow can go and, and have and a two hundred yard game and throw a couple of touchdowns and maybe a pick and he's staying in it. He'll stay in the race if he does that and then LSU go out and win against Bama. He's staying in the race. If Chase Young 
goes out and has a one tackle half a sack game, it's like he's immediately scratched. He's got to continually put up massive numbers. Yeah, well, I, I, I guess he needs those overall numbers, and it needs to be historic for him right. to do it. I think the, the there's a big difference between the best player in college football and the Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> the Heisman Trophy winner is yes. the best quarterback on a good team. Correct. Like you could Correct. have the best team quarterback on a shit team. It's unlikely that those well, two things will Anthony, happen together. But what? So yeah, he's the yeah, most yeah. prolific quarterback in college football. He's not winning the Heisman. From, Correct, from a number standpoint, surely. Yeah. But for uh, Chase Young to even enter in the Heisman conversation, he needed to have an absolutely insane day where he lived in Wisconsin's backfield. And then he needs to keep this up. Yes. Now that needs to be his norm and he needs to have two or three more of those efforts down yes. the stretch. So I'm, I'm not ruling it out, but yeah, the the, the whole Heisman deal is a whole nother Yeah, and, and they can't be garbage time. That's the other thing. It's got to be game-changing plays it can't just be like uh, like he was today. yeah right exactly and they were they were at big moments when the game was on the line he was making the difference and and this is where again when you're talking about player of the game and this is where i've always been massive on this in afl or any sport is who was the best player when the game was on the line it's easy to go and kick four goals when you're up by eight already but who was the one that made the difference when it counted? He did that today. But if he goes and doesn't record a sack and then records t- and then you know gets a couple on the board late when the game's over, who really gives a shit? Like, and and that's where he's he's going to have to continue to play really really well and impact the game consistently. And that's not easy. All right, we can't linger here too long. We could literally just stay in this section for an hour probably. But let's move on. I'm exhausted already. Game recaps. Let's start in somewhere we never start, and that is the Pac-12, if you're okay with that, William. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. All right. So the USC overcome a tough outing at Boulder uh, as they face off against Colorado. Something we haven't spoken about on this show but has been particularly relevant is the injuries to USC. Now, obviously, JT Daniels is out, but they're thin all over the defense, the secondary, the defensive line. They're down to their fourth or fifth running back. So the fact that they can still eke out wins is really, really impressive. Yeah, and this was a big comeback win too. It was looking like Colorado were going to get it done, but USC stepped up late and Keaton Slovis had himself a day. So that streak continues on. I was just glad to see my boy LaVisca Chanel Jr. back in and amongst it because he He has been quiet this year. He is a weapon. Um, But the Trojans get over the top of the buffs 35 to 31 without their mascot on the sideline as well. Uh, Stanford continue their up and down season as KJ Costello rejoins the lineup and and sparks an offense and a win over Arizona 41-31. Arizona State are fading hard I say down the stretch, but it's not really down the stretch. We're kind of at the midpoint. And UCLA, uh, you know, don't kind of look now, but they're pulling a bit of a Tennessee here and are making a season of it. And the Bruins win 42-32. to 32. So Chip Kelly, you know, just when, when the seat was getting a little bit toasty on his loins there, he's managed to pull out a couple of wins and a couple of big offensive performances yeah. as well. I think cool. they need to look at the uh, off-season conditioning program a bit there because that's two years in a row now where the start of the season's been absolutely woeful and then they've kind of turned the corner a bit and looked like a, a decent football team. So there needs to be some questions asked there. Maybe they're going on some 
preseason camps like the Crows boys did. Uh, you got to fuck that off. <laughs> pushing on. Utah absolutely ruined Cow 35 to nothing. Zach Moss sets another record. I can't remember what it was. Last week he broke the all-time yardage record. I think he's broken the all-time touchdown record this week as well. So Utah control things. And very much looked like the best team, deserved of the best team on the back of that effort in the Pac-12 at the moment. Yes, yeah. Yes, they do. Um, but they will put up a performance you'll be like, oh, what the fuck? Um, but yeah, anyway, those things happen. This one for me was the most entertaining game and it suited uh, a lot of Australian fans if you were watching Um you know, kind of eased its way into the mid-afternoon. But Oregon 37, get over the top of Washington State 35 in a really, really exciting and entertaining game. CJ Vidal went off, um, but far out. I couldn't help but thinking if Washington State just had some semblance of a defense, they would be a top 10 team year in, year out. Yeah, I mean, I think it's probably pretty safe to say I was the only bloke sitting at Adelaide Oval today with the Australia Sri Lanka game on, and everyone <laughs> dialed into that with me phone square in front of me, <laughs> watching this game with the cricket on in the background. It was actually quite a nice scene, but I was out there, and and this one was a ripper, so I, I wasn't going to miss out. And the missus is kind of looking at me, going, well, "Why have we come here if you're just going to be back watching football again?" <laughs> and I thought, "No, this is a, it's a nice vibe. I've got the crowd atmosphere around me, even though there weren't too many there today." But uh, that was, yeah, it was an incredible game. And the most disappointing thing with Washington State's defense is that they're bad at the big moments, yeah. like. You, you can kind of you expect them not to be great and they only gave up three points in the first and third quarters so that they can be okay at times but every time they go up and there's anywhere more than 30 seconds to go in the game and they're only up by a score I've, I'm worried I'm like they're done I've seen yeah. it enough times now like I messaged you straight after yeah, that yeah, yeah. I said no now they've just got to rely on their defense they're yeah. fucked yeah, so really disappointing for Mike Leach and and that off, but that offense is good to watch and and Gordon is far out. The amount of throws that he was making just on off his back foot, like a, a ten to fifteen yard like crossing route, which he just drop in there for his receiver, and I'm just like, man, yeah. But it's just the, it, that it's so well schemed up though. Like he just yeah. knows where the ball needs to be, so he can kind of flip around and stuff, and it doesn't really matter because he just knows he needs to put it to a certain spot at a certain time, and he's able to execute that. So a lot of that is Mike Leach and the awesome offense that he's got going. Right, he does. And we constantly hear about, well, what happens if Mike Leach goes to a big-time school with big-time recruiting and all that kind of stuff? And and that's something that we're not going to dive into now, but it would be an interesting one, especially because their leading receiver today was a walk-on. Well, you uh, get to see Cliff Kingsbury in the pros, so well, it's <laughs> almost it. Yeah, when he was a uh, ex-quarterback under the Leach regime as well. Anyway, moving across to the ACC, let's start at the top. Auburn fall to LSU 23-20 down in Baton Rouge. Joe Burrow was good as expected. Bo Nix was limited as expected. The score of 10 all at halftime was a little bit surprising and the score of 2023 at the finish was a little bit surprising to me. I know you think very highly of Auburn but I thought LSU completely dominated this game, save for a fourth down stop by Auburn, which you've got to give them some credit for, a pick on the one-yard line. LSU 
dominated this game, particularly in the second half. And that Auburn offense appears still to be broken in the big moments. Their defense is good enough, but that offense, Gus Malzahn just can't seem to get it going. Yeah, I mean, they're limited by having a freshman quarterback at a a big-time program like this. So I I think Auburn are very good team and I I still think that after this game I mean there's not many teams in the country who would go in to Tiger Stadium Death Valley against Louisiana State with how they're playing at the moment and walk away as a a, you know with a three-point loss it was an incredible effort and yes the offensively they're not there and, and that's what ultimately cost them here but everything outside of that you see is you know exceptional it, it is really really good so it's kind of going to be a, a disappointing one for them because to win national championships you need it to all come together at the right time like there's a lot of moving parts yeah. in in the college football world and i think for these guys they have a lot of that formula but it's not there with bo Nix. he he has a huge f- career ahead of him I, th- I think the potential is there but yeah, it's it, it's not happening this year, and and it's a disappointing one for them. For LSU, they keep on rolling, and and we got what we wanted. We as we mentioned at the start of the show, they now get to go into Tuscaloosa for an absolute barn burner for sure. And just to give a little bit of insight on that one, Auburn were outgained in this one, five hundred eight yards to two hundred and eighty seven, which is a fairly big difference. And five hundred eight yards against a apparently good defense is a Pretty astronomical amount as well by that LSU offense. So, yeah, uh, then don't break. Yeah, but you know that doesn't last forever, and eventually you're going to need your offense to stand up. And and Auburn didn't get that when they needed to. I mean, they got a they got a muffed punt, and they you know they paid that off, and it was all of about twenty yards that they needed to score and that, and they did. But effectively, until the last quarter, they'd kicked two field goals on offense. Um, so it wasn't until, you know, late that they were, it was sort of a contest and I just felt like LSU were in complete control and, and if they played this game again at Baton Rouge, if they redid this game again, I feel like this game could have been like a 20 point blowout. Like it just felt so in control for LSU. And not only that, something we, again, don't talk about that much, but their defense is really good. Those, those, um, Stingley and, and Delpit are really sticky on the back end and they make plays all over the place. So I'm big on LSU this year. As off as them as I was last year, I am upping the Tigers and there's no reason why they can't beat Alabama. All right, okay. so let's push on. Kellen Mond and Kylan Hill go off for the Aggies as they control things from the outset against Mississippi State. Texas A&M win that one forty nine to 30 Again, don't look now. But UCLA and Tennessee are turning things into a, a bit of a season. And, and Tennessee got a win against a South Carolina team that beat Georgia, obviously, and then pushed Florida pretty tight last week. And they get blown out this week. Obviously, things were just getting a bit too much. But Tennessee get up there 41-21, and they could be a little bit troublesome on the back end of the season. Alabama crushes Arkansas 48-7. to Kentucky beat Missouri 29-7. to as well, and the shine has really come off for the Tigers. So I'm now down to Minnesota and Baylor as the teams I care about that I didn't care about, but that I now do care about. And you've got LSU in that mix. 
But yeah, but yeah, hey, I like LSU, so there you go. All right, into the Big 12. Let's start with the big upset in college football. The number five team in the country, Oklahoma, go to Manhattan and the small apple, little apple, some sort of apple, <laughs> uh, go to Manhattan, Kansas, and take on the Wildcats, and they walk out of there 41-48 losers. As we mentioned earlier, we had Georgia a couple of weeks ago. Now I've got Wisconsin and then Oklahoma were 21-point favorites in this. But I don't want to get hung up on Oklahoma too much. Let's start with the Wildcats and Skylar Thompson. Now he threw for 213 yards but was kept extreme – well, I say extremely quiet on the ground. He he rushed for 39 yards but he had four TDs. So when it, it came down to it and they needed someone to punch it in, he was there. They gave up an. I think the, the biggest thing for me and the most impressive thing from a Wildcats perspective is they gave up an early lead. They fought their way back in and then they got in front and then they held on through a tense onside kick, which was really, really impressive. Yeah, I mean, they, they were super impressive. As you said, it was kind of that third quarter where they really owned the match. It was kind of they were up at the half and then they went another score up and I was kind of watching the box score but had hadn't had that switched over to that one yet because I just assumed Oklahoma were going to come and it wasn't until Kansas State then scored again that I was like holy shit what's going on here and then by the time I'd flicked it over they had the football again and they were just dominating at that period of the game and Mm. I mean that did come to an end and then Oklahoma started charging and down the stretch it was all Oklahoma and it was they're going to run out of time but if there was more clock you feel that they would have got there but before that, it, Kansas State absolutely rocking this football game and it's, a, it's awesome for them. They're a new head coach in. This is the marquee win that you kind of want to get under the belt early on in your career and it's going to set them up nicely. Oh, if there's plenty of coaches that never get this marquee win. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Um, Especially to, to at a program like Kansas State. Exactly, to knock off the number five team in the country. On the Oklahoma side, Jalen Hurts was awesome again and I don't want to take away from the fact that his you know this loss had nothing to do with him but it was the defense and I know I mentioned it earlier but giving up 48 points to a team that has managed 12 13 and 24 points against the three big 12 foes they've faced this season to then go and give up 48 is really really disappointing especially when you look at one of those teams was Oklahoma State not a great defense. Baylor, not a great defense. Then all of a sudden, Oklahoma get torched. And this result snaps a 22-game road winning streak held by the Sooners as well. So a little bit of a disappointing one there for them. But you won't be disappointed, and you've doubled down on wins this weekend because Oklahoma State headed to Ames, Iowa, and beat the Clones 34-27. to What happened? How did it happen? And... uh, you know, what was the difference in this one? Well, just before we jump into this one, I want to jump back with the Jalen Hurts one. Do you remember playing NCAA and you got the, uh, at the end of the game, it would give you like your your leading player and then their percentage of what they did versus the team. Yeah. And it was always like that guy and then rest of team. Yeah. yeah and it yeah. was like in a video game, it was often close, but kind of a bit laughable. This is not even close. Like Jalen Hurts had four hundred and what he had ninety eight percent of their yardage for the team. 
they had 11 yards outside of him. Actually, no, if you include C.D. Lamb's minus five in the rushing, <laughs> they had six. Yeah. Like, he, he was good. He was good. Uh, sorry, I just I just saw that and I was like, man, that is incredible. Dude is yeah. falling out. Uh, my boys, yeah, they, they're kind of just cardiac cowboys. Uh, if they're favorite, they're going to lose. If they're an underdog, they're going to win, it seems. Mate, um, welcome. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and so, same as your canes. We're, we're both living the same nightmare at the moment. <laughs> um, because you can see how, how good they can be and, and you see, you know, some of the real positives and it's kind of melded in there with some mind-numbing, painful, poor play. And I think we saw a bit of this from, from both sides in, in this one. So Oklahoma State got up 34-27, to 27, uh, having led... Probably most of the day, uh, they, they, they got out to 7-0 start to begin the game. And then I know Iowa State got back and evened it up in the last. Uh, and Oklahoma State were able to get a score. And then there was plenty of time left on the clock. And I was having those Washington State fears where I'm going, oh, we've given them enough time. <laughs> to go down and, and do what yep. they need to. But came up big with the turnover, which is nice to be able to do and not give them up yourself. Uh, like we've seen a lot from this team. Uh, even though, you know, Spencer Sanders did have another one of those freshman moments where he just made oh. a, a cross-the-body throw that you just can't do at, at this level because <sighs> it'll get picked off more often than it won't. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, they forced Iowa State to pass the ball. I mean, Brock Purdy chucked it around 62 times on the day, which is huge. And they made him uncomfortable. I mean, you said to me in the, the preview game, what do they need to do to yeah. win this football game? And we both said it was to put Brock Purdy off his game, get up in his grill, show different looks, whatever it is, don't let him sit back and pick you apart because he will. And there were times where he did do that, but there were also times where he was under a lot of pressure and as a result, he had the three turnovers himself. And a couple of those were when he was kind of really stretching late, but they couldn't get anything going on the ground game. It was it was all happening there. And yeah, it's it's one of those ones, as I was saying, the leadoff that's the the. Big 12 is is starting to cannibalize on itself like a couple of the other conferences. <laughs> yeah, and I think an, another bit of credit as we just, you know, blow smoke up each other's ass here a little bit, We you sort of said that Oklahoma State's defense is a little bit feast or famine and they did change their looks, they changed their pressures and they, they gave him a few different things to think about and they feasted at the times where it was important. Brock Purdy threw three interceptions in the fourth quarter Despite playing pretty well up until that point, he's got a crisp delivery, and I think he's he's going to be a really, really good one. But, you know, when it came to crunch time, Oklahoma State made the plays, and that was the difference in the game in the end. In terms of the Big 12, so we've had the Oklahoma loss, the Oklahoma State win over Iowa State. Where does this leave the Big 12? What, what do we think, like, from a national perspective, from a – a playoff perspective, and even then looking forward to the Big 12 Championship, where does these where do these two results leave the conference? Well, Baylor's still undefeated, so if, if they can roll through and get it done, I think they're going to have every opportunity to, to spring themselves into that conversation. At the moment, they haven't really played anyone uh, of enough caliber to be around there, but they're certainly a Power 5 team that hasn't lost, so you 
you've got to can continue that. Outside of that, this Oklahoma loss is is a bit of an aberration, and they're in a similar boat to Oregon now. They need to win. They need to win well the for the rest of their schedule, and then they need a couple of things to go their way. Yeah, all right. So I'm sure we'll deep dive that on next episode because there are a whole bunch of teams there and and um, maybe Notre Dame's played themselves out as well but that we can talk about as potential contenders. But it appears like there's a lot that can fill that number three, number four, number five, six, and seven kind of bracket there as well. So It's going to be an interesting South Pole this week. Absolutely. Okay, Texas are 100% not back. They lose to TCU uh, 37-27. Things are sort of going downhill in Austin a little bit as Texas are drifting back to mediocrity this year to the point where we're not really hearing too much about them, which is never a great sign. The only comment I will have on this one is that I did love Jonathan Vilma's comment that uh, TCU's uniforms look like Globo Gym from Dodgeball. Which is which awesome. Was, which is hilarious. I feel like you came at me saying, what's going on with their unis? I think they're rock. They were fucking terrible. They were terrible. Google it. All right. Kansas beat Texas Tech 37-34. Three more games for the Jayhawks and they go bowling. That's probably not happening if you have a look at their schedule. But the most hilarious thing about this was the story to finish the game around Kansas's kick to win the game and then it never got close and then they got another crack at it and holy shit, what an abortion. It, it was really just unfathomable. Like I was reading the headline before when I saw the highlight come up and I go, that doesn't make sense. What? what? And sure enough, when you watch it play out – Kansas have got a kick to win the game. Scores level 35 yards. Uh, time, you know. <laughs> it's making oh, me laugh already. 12 seconds <laughs> to go. Kick goes away, but no, it's blocked. Ball comes loose. So scooped up by a Texas Tech uh, defender. Live ball. He starts to make some moves, work his way up the field, hits a wall of blockers and decides, fuck, I'm going to lateral this back to someone. See if we can't make something happen here. <laughs> Unfortunately, no one was on the same wavelength oh as him in the whole oh planet. It was like watching a car He's crash. lobbed it to no one. Ball springs free. Kansas fall on the ball. Two seconds to go. No, they get another shot. It's the old... Well, they've effectively got... Because Texas possessed the ball, they've got they, first exactly and ten. Exactly right. From, but with two seconds to yeah, go, yeah. they get another field goal. It's the yeah. old Robin Hood men in tights. He gets another shot. <laughs> <laughs> he gets, it's in the script right here he gets another shot <laughs> and and that's what happened they went away oh and, and the rest is history he, he slots it and that poor bastard was just getting chewed out by his teammates while still on the field can you imagine <laughs> the fucking plane or bus ride home oh, oh, it, it was it was a piss take. It was it was one of those moments that makes me giggle where people again you listen if you listen to our mid season review, people doing things out of the norm and you can literally see their brain ticking over and they shouldn't do what they're doing. Anyway, that happened. So Kansas get the win and Hey, they've already won more games than they did last year, so well done to the Jayhawks. In the ACC, Miami beat Pitt in a drizzly game, both in terms of the weather and the offensive output. Uh, the Pitt defense does have some plays, though. Dane Jackson and Paris Ford are sticky DBs, and they will play in the NFL. So 
your teams. Looking for DBs, there's a couple there from Pitt, but the Canes get away with a 16-12 win. Uh, I think I will talk about this a little bit later, but the ACC continues to be a freaking hot mess, and I'll tell you why in just a second. Anyway, Cam Akers scores four touchdowns as Florida State beats Syracuse 35-17. Louisville, and this is the big result, beat Virginia 28-21, to which means... <laughs> Everyone in the coastal except for Georgia Tech is still alive. Yeah, they're all three and two or two and three. <laughs> it is a absolute destruction derby dumps. I'd say destruction derby, but usually usually when you win a destruction derby, like it's you, you've done something, you've achieved something. This is like the team that is least retarded. No, I kinda like win. it because everyone's getting banged up. <laughs> Like, it's just going to be whoever is engine is still running at the end of the day. It ain't pretty. No one's walking away from this one unscathed. But whoever can handle these lumps and come out and, and still be running at the end has a chance at taking that coastal. Oh, God. Uh, okay, now I've got, I've got a situation for you here, William. So you are Duke. You're a play caller. You are down three points with 15 seconds left on the clock. You don't have any time left, so you've probably got enough time for two plays. What plays do you – or what play do you go with from kind of the two-yard line to try and win the game for Duke? Uh, Well, I've seen the old slant option from there fail miserably for Seattle against New England, and (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm ruling that one out. I'm not going that. What I have seen work successfully – for the Florida Gators, I'm a boy, Timmy Tebow. <laughs> jump pass. I'm going jump pass every day. I'm going to pull, pull that trick out. How'd I go with my test? Uh, you failed miserably because you threw it down at towards the line of scrimmage for some reason and there was a, a UNC linebacker that stood there and just picked the pass off fell to the ground and you lost uh, 20 to 17. This wasn't a test, was it? This was real life. No, that actually happened. So I'd suggest don't watch that play. But if you want to see a uh, running back pop pass fail miserably, then that's the one. And it was never on. It was never open. It was never going to get there. Um, what an absolute dumpster fire. So anyway, uh, Duke lose that game in inexplicable circumstances to UNC. Clemson crush Boston College 59-7. to now, normally we start with the Big Ten. We're actually going to finish with the Big Ten today, and we're going to start at the bottom. So let's start with Rutgers. They beat Liberty 44-34. Illinois back up their big win last week against Purdue 24-6. Iowa blank Northwestern 20 to nothing. Minnesota remain undefeated against Maryland 52-10. to I actually really like watching Minnesota football. I watched them a little bit today, and their offense is creative and controlled. They rack up minutes of possession they run the ball really really well tanner morgan's extremely effective and they still put up lots of points so they're going to be a tough out for anyone facing them it'll just be whether they've got the athleticism to roll with the big guns in the big 10 yeah i wish they don't i mean you say he was extremely effective it was 12 of 21 
Yeah, I was sort of more talking about his running on third down. When things get a bit sticky, he will make a good play, unlike Spencer Sanders. He'll, you know, get them out of a bit of a bind and can keep a drive moving. Um, so, yeah, like, don't get me wrong, he's not going to light it up like know, Joe Burrows is. But... 500. Okay, ouch. All right. Uh, Ohio State beat up on Wisconsin 38-7. to We've talked about Chase Young. He was probably the best player on the field, maybe J.K. Dobbins. Whiskey were actually hanging around early, so let's not sell them short there, but they just didn't have the athleticism to go with Ohio State, particularly on the edges of that defense. And, and even in the middle as well, Ohio State just dominated up front and their linebackers were slow to the point of attack and, and any time you gave those Ohio State offensive linemen a slow flow to the ball, they just took their angles and, and cut you off and J.K. Dumman's really, really dominated. So, I yes, I think you are right about Ohio State. Yeah, I mean, what it was 10 to nothing at halftime and... Uh, Ohio State came out after the break, had the ball, went three and out, had a really poor punt. Wisconsin got the ball with a short field, went in, marched it in, made it 10 to 7. And I thought, here we go. We've got a ripper of a football game on our hands. And then from that moment, Ohio State just took complete control. And I feel like the, the best analogy for this is like two very large men going, fighting and wrestling and early on it's kind of a a bit of a tight scrap whilst they're trying to assert domination over each other but in the end one just took control and was able to squeeze the life out of the other one and and Ohio Mm -hmm. State once they got going just did not look back and, and really took control of this one. Yeah, and I mean, they just, they didn't, it didn't even really seem close. And I mean, the scoreline didn't show it was close, but it didn't feel close either. And you look at what um, Justin Fields, like I think there was that classic one where Wisconsin actually spied Justin Fields and he just torched the linebacker. I can't remember who it was. Was it Bourne or, no, it wasn't Bourne, um, but just torched him to the edge and, it was just like, man, you just you guys just can't keep up. You don't have the skill guys to go with them. So um, another continually impressive Ohio State win, and we're just waiting. Ohio State are going to have their down week. I'll be interested to see when that happens. Anyway, Penn State beat Michigan State 28-7 to in a really meh sort of game. Penn State controlled things throughout. Sean Clifford threw three touchdowns to Frymuth, the tight end. Sparty finished or have now finished their little run against Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State getting absolutely destroyed And all. I think I saw a stat today that they're, the points totals from those three games are like 100 to 19 or 100 to 17 or something. So not a good run there, not a run there for Sparty that they'll be particularly proud of. No, certainly not. All right, Notre Dame take on Michigan, and this is one of our hilarious punting points that we can make note of. Uh, and we'll start with that before we get into too much analysis. And that is at a time where Notre Dame needed something because they ended up getting blown out in this one, 45 to 14, and that included a late score. They were never really in it. The Michigan punter gets one blocked. Now, if you if the ball gets blocked and it goes past the line of scrimmage, and it, it's kind of a it, it's a dead ball. Like you don't need to play that ball out. 
one of the Notre Dame special teamers decided that, yeah, you know what, I'm going to jump on the ball. I'm going to – I don't know what. I'm going to – it's a live ball or something. So he dives on it. He contacts it and then it kind of squirts out under, you know, due to the heavy rainfall that they've had. As soon as he touches it, the ball's live. Michigan end up falling on it in their own half or in Notre Dame's half, puts them in scoring position, and they managed to put up some points as a result of that. So just Notre Dame were an absolute mess today. What were your thoughts on this particular game? I know I've got my thoughts on it, but how did you see the Notre Dame-Michigan battle? I mean, Michigan were the much better football team on the day, weren't they? They they really showed out and started to live up to some of that hype that we talked about in the preseason. Uh, Notre Dame, on the other hand, we were kind of expecting a lot more than what we saw today. Uh, you're right in saying that this one wasn't close on the scoreboard or what we saw with the product on the field. Michigan came to play and they are going to be the ones that challenge Ohio State. They're not as good as Ohio State, but they're certainly much closer in that ballpark than anyone else that they've got left on their schedule in conference or outside of perhaps Penn State. I'm not going to disrespect them. Mm. but Mm. I'd take Michigan State over Penn State. You take Michigan State over Penn State? Sorry, Michigan over Penn State. Because that happened today. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't good. No, but uh, yeah, I mean, Michigan were impressive and and this is what I want to see out of them. And I think... They have been ragged on. I, I expected this effort last week uh, in, in their matchup with Penn State, and I think we saw it in the second half. I, I just that, – that first half didn't quite happen for me. So, yeah, I, I don't know. Where, where are you at with them? Well, I, I think to me, I think the weather – so there was a – if you didn't see the game, there was a bucket load of rain. Like it was spewing down – um, to the point where who's the sideline? Maria Taylor? Maria? Yeah, I don't know. She's wearing a cap. What, whatever her name is. Um, she, yeah, she looked like a drowned rat. She was really struggling out there in the rain. So, but I think this weather actually forced Michigan to call an offensive game that they've needed to call so, so much earlier this season. And there was points where they just ran the ball 15 straight plays. And that's what they needed to do. They had arguably the best offensive line coming into this season. Yeah, they didn't really know what they had at running back. Um, but um, Charbonnet and Haskins were fantastic on the ground for them. And they just pounded it out. I mean, that offensive line led by running and Ruiz were maybe the MVP of the entire game. And they certainly, when the game was on the line, they just absolutely controlled the line of scrimmage. And this allowed Shea Patterson to just free himself up a little bit. He didn't have to go and... It looks like every time he's going out there to play, he he feels like he has to go and win the game. That wasn't the case today. He could just go and play. And, you know, the Michigan, the Michigan defense was fantastic, but it was that run game that really, really got them going. So I was, I was impressed with Michigan. On the other side, Notre Dame, Ian Book is a mess. He's gun shy. He can't read defenses. He's, he goes from his primary read to freaking out and runs despite his pretty reasonable offensive line. Um, the only really reason they scored in the in the kind of when the game was still up for grabs is he actually threw a pick, got a mysterious pass interference call that led from led to a touchdown. But apart from that, like they just looked, you know, no good. He eventually got the hook and they put in the backup. 
my question for you is where does this leave Michigan? This has got to be extremely frustrating for Michigan fans and the Michigan football team because where was this effort when it was really, really needed against Penn State? Where was this effort, you know, or and I'm preempting things a little bit here, but where's this effort against Ohio State? Like when the when the season is really on the line, where is this game? Because if they play like this, they give themselves a chance and they haven't done that for a long, long time. No, but I guess they've got that opportunity again this year. And as a Michigan fan, yes, they're, they're ruled out of almost everything now this year with the two losses that they've got. But if they can beat Ohio State, especially in Ohio State, that is looking as good as it does now, I think that all goes away. It's similar to what I feel as an Oklahoma State fan when you have you know years that are disappointing. If you can get that rivalry win, win that, say, they – aren't able to get, but could possibly get over Oklahoma. It, it's kind of, it makes it all worthwhile. And then that's Yeah, what you, but now yeah, I, di- I, disagree, I disagree with this. And this is my big issue with the college football playoff is that Michigan's season was based on their ability to get to the final four and win the Big Ten. They're not going to do that this no, year. But like, they're but not going to get to the playoffs. Yeah, so, but that so, so they're sitting... No, but yeah, exactly. So their season is a disappointment. Regardless if they now go and beat Ohio State, it'll be you know, a bit of a bittersweet win for them, I think. Because, And this is my issue, again, with this playoff situation is the fact that Michigan should really celebrate that if they do, in fact, get there. But, you know, it's it's still going to be a massive disappointment for them because, yes, they've played poorly in, in those couple of games that they've dropped. But, oh, there is, I mean... There is nothing now that will not make this season disappointing for them. When when you have exactly. top five hopes going into the year, then anything outside of playoffs is going to be disappointing. So I don't know what you're looking for here. All right. <laughs> um, this is not a good game for Notre Dame, though, as this game isn't due to be replayed, as in Notre Dame-Michigan, uh, until 2033, which is a bit of a disappointment because this is an old-school match up an old school rivalry and and there's a chance that some of these rivalries do go um you know do fall away and this is one that won't get played for another like 14 years or something so anyway moving on some other games app state beat south alabama 30 to 30 to 3 you'd be happy with that hawaii beat new mexico 45 to 31 smu get over houston 34 31 in a really really entertaining game memphis squeaked by tulsa 42-41. Tulsa had a field goal from 29 yards at the gun, but pushed it wide left, and the Tigers get across the line there. UCF destroyed Temple 63-21, which sets up a, a pretty big game with Memphis and SMU next week in the American. In the Big South, the Campbell Fighting Camels scored 22 in overtime in order to beat Gardner-Webb 49-47. to Don't know why I keep bringing up the fight, Campbell Fighting Camels, but they're my team. Um, but it did take a blocked punt return for a touchdown on the last play of regulation to allow them to win that one. Which so, is just insane when a you bit think of it. about it. Like The game is done. <laughs> All they need to do is execute the punt and they've won. And or even just kneel on the ball, like take well, the ball, kneel, and give it to them with like or run out the back of the end, and, end zone. You're right, just take yeah. off. And I, I was at a game where Oklahoma yeah. State did that, they were up by whatever it was, five with 10 seconds to go. And rather than running a play on fourth down, Justin Blackman took the ball and just ran 60 yards backwards out the end of the end zone. 
the time it, it took up the time remaining on the clock. We wa- we ate the two points and won the game. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. All right, so that is all the scores. Have we missed any games no, there? It, I feel mate. like we've that's covered it. most. Thanks. All right, so we're not going to get to the Aussies in action. We will do that on Wednesday. But helmet stickers, there were a lot of massive performers this week, so take us through some there were, of those. There were. So I'm going to be quite selective this week. I'm looking at guys who won football games. Uh, Carter Stanley at Kansas, yeah. huge win for them, 415 yards, three touchdowns <laughs> for the big fella. That, that's awesome. Uh, Les has got some cooking there, which is great. Keaton Slovis at USC had another big outing. So he went for over 400 yards and four touchdowns himself, which is great. Uh, running the ball, we had Bryant Kobach at Toledo. 32 carries, a hefty workload, 259 yards and a couple of scores. Uh, CJ Vidal, you mentioned in the Oregon game, was massive in, in that one. So he had 23 carries for 257 yards, and an average of 11.2 and three touchdowns. He gets like the big fat game sticker of the week award, I suppose, because that's just yeah. – that's insane. Yeah. Uh, also pretty impressive at Connecticut, uh, Kevin Manesh or Mensa probably is definitely how that name said. <laughs> had 19 carries, 164 <laughs> yards and five touchdowns. Five TDs. Five touchdowns. Every four times he touched it, he was, getting, he was dancing in the end zone. So oh. that's an awesome effort. Uh, and then catching the ball, we had uh, Stefan Robinson Jr. at Kansas uh, – with two touchdowns and 186 yards. And Wop Filia at Indiana, who's having a really, really productive year this year, had 14 catches and 178 yards, all without getting in the end zone, but really, really good. So all of those boys. Oh, yeah. Sometimes I feel like it's harder to not get in the end zone. Indiana are going to upset someone this year. I think they're going to give someone a run somewhere, so it'll be an interesting one. All right, bold prediction time. Uh how did you go talk us through it? So mine was uh, Mascot Madness. I had predicted that we were going to have, for the third time this season, something that involved a mascot. So we'd obviously had Ugger getting uh, interacted All with on the side load. Yeah, have, yeah, having trouble. We had the Sooner Schooner going over and there was something else that was going to happen this week. And I have been just trawling all the news <laughs> sites, Twitter, anything just looking for anything like oh i don't know maybe the west virginia mountain man's gone got drunk and touched up at someone or something like something something but no alas i I got nothing so right nothing for me how how did you go mate Uh, i actually was okay but no um i had wheels on wheels off so the iowa northwestern game would not have an offensive touchdown. Iowa scored one in the first quarter, which was unbelievable, and they only put on one more after that. But they did score two touchdowns. And the other aspect of that was Michigan would have over 400 yards against a defense that doesn't really give up that much yardage and their offense would go off. And that actually did happen in torrential rain. So well done to Michigan. But yeah, I was sort of 50% of the way there. And and as a result, no good for me Either getting close. Speaking though. of that's good. No, close. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm you haven't sniffing been around. Well, you haven't been. So this is definitely pointing in the right direction. Exactly. Speaking of pointing in, well, directions, not necessarily the right one. Let's have a chat about you going on the punt this week. 
Yeah, okay. We'll be quick here. Uh, another another loss this week, so uh, a slight downer. Uh, lost another 2.2 units to take the season total to 18.3 units. Uh, that's not good. It's it's a lot. Um, <laughs> <That's a> lot. <laughs> this week, I backed in your boys, uh, Miami Hurricanes, to get the job done hey, as, get around as underdogs. Picked them to win, and they did, so that was good. So that was why I didn't lose more because that was the only one that I got right. I had Clemson to not absolutely manhandle and dismantle and destroy Boston College, but they did, so I missed on that one. I also thought that Wisconsin would keep it closer than they did, and about five minutes into the third quarter, I was feeling all right about that, and then I wasn't. Not at yeah. all. So that fell away from me, and... I was glad, though, that I didn't get all three of them because if I had have then lost out on the multi with you convincing me to throw Texas in there, I would have been upset. I don't know but, if I convinced you Oh, that, you did. You, know? you did. Did I? Yeah, I needed an outlet. I need to be able to do that. But I can't even blame <laughs> you on that because I wasn't close. So, yeah, another disappointing week for me, but we will rebuild. <laughs> we keep saying that. At some stage, we are going to have to keep it. A check you gotta on. hit rock. You gotta hit rock bottom eventually, <laughs> right? Oh god, yeah. Well, I don't know how deep this chasm goes, but it could go a while. Yeah. Anyway, that brings us to the end of our week nine recap on a Sunday night. So an early uh, getaway for us on this particular recap episode. As always, please do hit us up on Instagram and on Twitter at CFB Down Under. Make sure you do subscribe to the show. Leave us a review on iTunes as well. Five stars only, of course. Make sure you tell all your friends, all your family about us. If you're college football fans, we want you on board with season 2019. and We want you on board with college football down under as well. That has been a very entertaining week of college football. It does bring us to the end, and we are now getting towards the pointy end of the season. Unless you've got anything more for us, William? No, sir. Okay, that means then on behalf of him, that is Will Murden over in the Adelaide Hills. On on behalf of myself on the Plains, my name is Aaron, that is Will, and we will see you next time.